The following program has been pre-recorded. On this episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we'll talk to Alan McGinn, a focused missionary at Belmont University in Nashville, to talk about where we can find happiness and fulfillment in life where only Jesus Christ can provide. And so I walked in the room, Christ on the altar is like, I have to talk to you or I have to leave. And so I knelt down and I was like, okay, I'll talk. And then I broke down, had like this huge conversion. And I was like, where have I been? So you were the one crying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the big crier. Next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stayskull, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com or try Theology on Tap, where you can gather with other people in their 20s and 30s like you who want to learn more about their faith while enjoying a beverage together. Join Theology on Tap Nashville on Facebook for events and times. Hello and welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. We're joined each week as we are by Father Gervon, the chaplain at University Catholic here in Nashville. My name is Zach Jansen. I grew up here in Middle Tennessee. I'm a recent graduate of Belmont University. Uh, each week we interview different guests, detailing different parts of young adult life, whether it be finances or relationships. Uh, but this week we have a very special guest, uh, a focus missionary uh, here in Nashville. He'll talk more about that. Mr. Alan McGinn, pleasure to have you today. Uh, hey, Jack. How are you doing? Uh, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, for those who don't know who you are, where you're from, and what you're doing here in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as you said, my name is Alan McGinn. Um, I am here in Nashville as a Focus missionary. Um, I got hired by Focus in 2018. Um, I guess it was, yeah, the end of the beginning, middle of 2018. Um, and what it, is FOCUS for those, i to interrupt you, for those who don't know oh, what it is. Yeah, yeah. FOCUS stands for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. It was started by Curtis Martin in the 90s. I think it was 1990 that it actually started. It started out small in like Benedictine College, and it's basically rooted in evangelization within the Catholic Church, Fellowship of Catholic University Students, um, and trying to help people know Jesus through kind of three principles, those being authentic friendship, divine intimacy, and then I think called spiritual multiplication, which is basically just like how to get more people to know Jesus in a more effective manner. Um, but yeah, that, I guess that's kind of what focus is. And it manifests in a couple of different ways, whether that be Bible studies or discipleships or meeting one-on-one with students or meeting with them in groups. It just, yeah, it's trying to get people to know the Lord in some way. So, and so you found yourself there in 2018 then? Around? Yeah, yeah. I... I went to school at University of North Texas. I'm from Austin. Oh, great music school. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I studied jazz at UNT. It's very good being a missionary at Belmont because most people understand that UNT is actually a good school, if you went for music at least. Mm. But at, at Vandy, they're like, what is that? What? Mm. It sounds like some of them. So where did you school. find yourself leaving college? Was, was that your undergrad? Yeah, or, yeah. That was my undergrad. Where did you find yourself leaving there? Did you feel called to, for something different? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... Um, Came into college, I wanted to be a jazz saxophonist in L.A. or in New York. Um, I, yeah, I loved 
playing. I loved, there was a good band that I was in in college or in high school and we were really successful and I wanted to make it big. So you had a clear path almost. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Really clear. Honestly, I I really knew where I wanted to be. I knew I'd be poor for the rest of my life, but (laughs) I knew where I wanted to be and where I, how I wanted to be poor, I guess was the, the phrase. Um, and yeah, the, the route was to graduate, get my degree, meet some people, and, and go out to L.A. was really the big, this the city that, that drew me. Because um, I'd been to New York. I, I don't like cold. I'm not mm. a big cold person. And so in New York, I went in the winter, and I was like, man, this sucks. I totally do not <laughs> want to be here. So I was planning on going to L.A. And yeah, around soft, going into my junior year, I had a huge conversion. I worked um, a life teen summer camp called Camp Hidden Lake. And the whole reason I worked the camp, my sister really encouraged me to work it. And um, we had gone as kids and I'd fallen away from the faith for about two years. I'd become really left wing, really liberal, really atheist. I never said I wasn't Catholic, but a Mm. lot of my perspectives were very atheistic perspectives. Um, And I just like, yeah, a lot of bad philosophy teachers and a lot of uh, bad roommates Mm. just led my knowledge astray. well, tell us what happened to that retreat for you. If you was it Camp, camp Hidden Lake? You yeah, said? yeah, Life yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, as a kid, like I found the Lord at Camp Covecrest, which is another camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as a kid, I was in sixth grade, and we went to this camp, and it was the first time I'd ever been to adoration in my entire life. <laughs> and we're at this camp, and it's life seems pretty uh, progressive, uh, mm-hmm. uh, charismatic. And so this is when they like weren't as checked on. Now they're like more checked on by the bishop, but. Um, they had the adoration and they put Christ in the center of the room on this like stool, Hmm. um, which is weird looking at it now. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Um, But I remember looking across the room because yeah, Christ is there in the center, but we also could see when you, someone he's in the center, you can see the person on the other side of the room. And so I saw this girl and her friends like holding each other and crying because there's like praise and worship and adoration. You know, people cry, they have emotional experiences. Hmm. But I had no clue. I'm a 12 year old boy. I'm like, what is happening? What's going on? Yeah, to a lot of people think that way. Even now, you're yeah. saying you're 12. I bet adults, 20s and 30s. Honestly, that. yeah. Sometimes when I, I'm 24 now, I get confused sometimes in adoration. Hmm. Um, but I'm just confused. Luckily, my, my dad, very good holy man, was on the retreat. And I went to him after and I was like, yo, what was that? What happened? Just ha- what just happened? He said, that was God. And those people were having an encounter with him. I was like, oh, that's different. So from that moment on, I really had a real, a, a different taste of who God was and who like he wanted to be for me. And I had that in the back of my mind always. He was always there. I like struggled a lot in high school and college and walked away from the faith pretty starkly. And, um, but it was always there. And so around my sophomore year, my, my sister saint on earth, swear, um, She's going to be canonized the minute she dies, I swear. Um, I'm going to just pray for her intercession and get her canonization <laughs> like that. Um, but she yeah, invited me to work the camp in my junior year. She said, hey, I filled out this entire application about your name. All you got to do is put your name on it, and you can apply. So I applied. I had to make a little video explaining who I was. I made the video, and then I sent it, and I applied. And I wrote my name on the application. And I got a call from that, the camp director that Thursday in a cafeteria that said, hey, you got accepted to be a life team missionary. I was like, what? I was like, that's, yeah, you, you're hiring the that's wrong, insane. you're hiring the wrong person. I told her, I was like, you don't want to hire me. And she was like, well, you're hired. So do you accept? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't have anything else to do. So I accepted. And I showed up to this camp, like I was in, you know, I was in all black. I'm this like edgy jazz musician. I show up with my horn. 
I get there, everyone's in their short, like pink Patagonia shorts and their camp t-shirts <laughs> and their water bottles with a bunch of stickers on them. <laughs> and they all have their acoustic guitars. And I was like, and they're all like bleach blonde hair because they had like been out in the sun all year. And I'm like pale and just like in all black with my horn. I was like, who are these people? So I get there and, and luckily my now brother-in-law was was there at the camp at the time, my sister's boyfriend at mm-hmm. the time. And he, he came to me, he saw I was there and he was like, yeah, I know this is like not your gig. I know this is not normal, but like give it a chance and just like see how it'll work. Because if you don't give it a chance, your life is going to suck. Hmm. But if you give it a chance, it might actually be pretty great. I was like, no, oh, that's pretty good logic. I'm a super logical person. Yeah, it's two options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people present me with like very logical options and like I just know once my brain concludes something that I have to do it. And so I concluded, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I'll just do that. So that night, you know, we have dinner and... I was chatting with one of my good friends now, John Michael, and I just met him for the first time. And we were walking over to the, the church. We're going to like pray that night. We all cram in this tiny little chapel for adoration. And there apparently there's praise and worship too. And I remember walking into the room and I saw Christ on the altar in the monstrance, who I'd seen before, as I said earlier, as a 12 year old boy. And so I knelt down and I was like sitting there, like apprehensive. And I was like, I just kind of want to leave. I kind of want to leave. Praise and worship started. And I was like, okay, I'll talk. And then I broke down had like this huge conversion. I was like, where have I been? So you were doing crying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the big crier. I found the Lord again. And I was like, I, I felt like I had so much love that was lost. Um, so you remember specifically where you were huh, at the time? Yeah, so yeah. How, were you at t- high school still? No, no. This was, this was sophomore year in college. Oh. Going into my, yeah, going into my junior year. Hmm. Yeah, I remember very distinctly, even where I was in the room. And yeah, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was, it's the, it's the biggest change in my life that I've ever felt. Um, the Lord like found me, mm. you know, he found me again and I was lost and I was found. And I went to confession. I went to confession before I went to camp. I was like, yeah, I should probably get like somewhere closer and I'll just go to confession and it'll be fine. And even if I hate this, I won't ever go to confession again. And the confession was perfectly like fine. The priest was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, like three Hail Marys, keep doing, the, you know, keep doing the good thing. Yeah. Even though I did like this huge, I hadn't been to confession in four years. I think it's laundry list of, of sins. He was like, yep, three Hail Marys. I was like, cool. Got out of Scott, got out of Scott free. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I, I had this conversion and I, I remember looking at the Lord that evening um, on the altar and I, I said to him, I was like, all right, you get six weeks. Like, I'll give you six weeks. From there, we'll figure it out. But you get six weeks. Because that's the time I was working the camp. That's as much as I had. Two weeks in, I called my parents and I said I wanted to drop out of school and become a missionary. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that insane? What a sentence that you'll give him six weeks, huh? Yeah. That's, that's the question. So where do you go from there? I think we've all experienced that one time, quote unquote, high. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, wow, it all clicks. But where do you go from there as far as building upon that and for the moments where it doesn't get easy? Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. You fall a lot. <laughs> that's I guess that's, like that's what makes it. We wouldn't be human if we didn't make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's like my most succinct answer. But yeah, as I journeyed throughout college, I mean, I had two more years of college left. My parents were like, "No, you're not dropping out. You dummy, get your degree." And I was like, "All right, that's fair." But yeah, I had struggles. I mean, I came back to the church, and the first mass I went to back in college, it was a Spanish mass because I missed every other mass that day. Oh gosh. Um, lo and behold. One of the focus missionaries was at the Spanish Mass. Um, yeah, they came up to me after because I was literally the only white guy, and I was the only college student in the entire Mass. 
um, and they could tell that I was lost. And so, yeah, I came around and they invited me to get involved. And I was like, uh, I don't know, kind of sketchy. I don't really want to do that. It's scary, you know, mm. it's scary meeting new people and coming back into the church. And it was scary for me to make new friends. And uh, yeah, it's hard to, it's easy to say once you've, you know, become a part of the, the crowd or the Catholic group or the friend group that it's easy to say like, no, we're, we're welcoming, we're loving you. We're trying to be a good friend. But when you go back to the moment where you were the outsider, it's still like, doesn't matter how loving someone is. It's still scary. Seeing your life as a focused missionary, um, I, I did some looking there. I guess mm-hmm. you have like profiles, I guess, on your on your website. Oh yeah. But there, I guess there was a, a short video, but it was it was very just about what what you all do. Oh guess, yeah. As missionaries, but there's there are some good thoughts in there on what it's like as a young adult, what you're seeing, what the world is promising, uh-huh. and what you're actually getting. But the sentence that young people are sold propaganda about what will make them happy uh-huh. by industries who don't care about them. So what the world doesn't care about our happiness is the bottom line. What are your thoughts on that sentence, that idea that the world is offering us something that just makes us more and more empty? I do think the world is selling us propaganda, evil propaganda. Um, and I think it's pr- like most prevalent in social media. Mm-hmm. I truly think that everyone should delete all of it. Really? Yeah. Expa- explain your thoughts. Yeah. Here. This is, yeah, I'm like, maybe not contrarian is not the best word, but I just don't like it. And I, if you want any like further propaganda to encourage you that propaganda is wrong. Um, first of all, there's, there's good looks at at propaganda throughout history and the way that it's affected morality and humanity and, um, the church, especially, I mean, most Nazi propaganda in early, um, foundations of their society, or I should say of their political party was Christian. It was Christianity that motivated them to hate the Jewish, that showed them that the Jewish are less than us, and so we should kill them. And so the propaganda is very, very dangerous and can become very, very evil very, very quickly. And it uses very good things like Christianity to somehow create evil, which makes absolutely no sense, but somehow we can twist the truth. Anyway, there's, a sh- there's this movie that came out as of late called The Social Dilemma. Oh, we've <laughs> talked about it once before. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? Anyways, you were saying the the line that stuck out to me of that show, um, or that of that movie was, if you don't know what the product is, you are the product. And I've I've consistently thought about that even in regards to social media, um, because we oftentimes don't know what the product truly is that's being sold. If it's some free thing that we're getting, we're getting it for free. There's no cost for Instagram. I think Instagram is the worst, so I'll highlight that one. Mm-hmm. There's no cost for Instagram, um, and there's no one else has a cost, and you're not buying anything from it. All you're seeing is your friend's highlight reel of their life. Comparisons. Com- yeah, all you see is basically, and also all you see is ads. Mm. Instagram is just using you, basically, this social dilemma movie would say. It's bringing you as a product to the seller, which is, huge corporations trying to sell their product. And the way that they sell their product is through attention span. And the attention span is the product that they're selling, which is given to uh, to them from us through Instagram. And so I don't personally like it because I don't like being manipulated in any way whatsoever, no matter what the, the buy-in is. If I don't know exactly what's happening, it, it makes me feel weird. What we try to do as missionaries is to try and like clean a, a well. There's like a, the human soul is a well. And that well is completely contaminated by the flesh, by appetites. 
And our role as missionaries is to just show those students, like, there's a life full of beautiful radiance if you would just clean the well, if you would walk away from these, like, contaminating substances that society is saying, this is success, this is happiness, this is fulfillment, this is satisfaction. You know, to be have this many followers means this good. To have this much success in your career means this good. To be... Um, to have, be dating this person means you'll you know, have this much happiness. And what um, I've seen my role as a missionary is to tell them, actually, none of that is going to give you the happiness that you desire. Only the Lord will. Like, only a deep, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus will change you to the depth that you're wanting it. And it's like that daily conversion back to Jesus is what we're trying to, like, propagate, I should say. So, so you're encountering and making these friendships with, with college students who are all different levels mm. of their life and their faith, I'm sure, right? You've seen people who, like you said, maybe like your sister who's like, they're going to be a saint tomorrow <laughs> and die. But you, you, you've seen people too who have maybe fallen away. And you yeah. just, do you want to meet them where they're at, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, It's tough because like sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll cut you off completely and you can't get into a conversation with them at all. Um, and they won't even engage with you and, you know, in any way whatsoever. <laughs> but I truly think the harder ones is when you see them come to the, to the faith a little bit and then slowly slip, slowly, step by step, they slip away. I had a student last year, I won't, I won't name him, but he decided to come back to Mass. Saw him after and I, I introduced myself, got to know him a little bit. And he said, he's just been having a really hard time as of late. Life isn't going his way, which is typically where we want to find people, oddly enough, is at rock bottom. What a weird way to think of it, huh? Yeah, you want to... have all been there. Yeah, but like you want to get them to rock bottom because the only way that you know that you need Jesus is when you have nothing else. Mm-hmm. You when know? you lost. Yeah. When you are lost. Yeah, I was like, okay, I try every... And it's funny because those are the people that sometimes try to go back to the church and don't know how to do it because mm-hmm. like I already tried everything, drugs, whatever it is. Yeah. It didn't work. Let me go see this one and see... And that's when... We can encounter people. I mean, my life was the same way, you know. I have things. I mean, it was good, you know. Like, mm-hmm. in the world, I was good, but I was empty. Yeah. I. It's it's insane what, like, it's in the gospel. You can see it. Every person who has, like, true conversion to Jesus was at complete rock bottom. Like, Mary Magdalene, one of the, one of the people at the cross, one of the most faithful people in all of the scriptures, pure rock bottom. Possessed by semi-demons was, I mean historically speaking, the adulterous woman, you know, the woman that was getting stoned and she is one of the most faithful, becomes one of the most faithful because of her brokenness. So anyway, I, you know, I, I found this guy at rock bottom, like his girlfriend had dumped him. She cheated on him. He, all of his friends are walking away from him for no good reason. He's a great man and is a really good person to be around, but I found him and we had lots of conversations and as time has went on, um, he was exploring more and more other religions that weren't Catholicism. Um, and not that I don't want people to explore other religions because there's plenty of truth in other religions, but there's also plenty of lies in other religions mm-hmm. that aren't perfect. Like he ended up going to yoga a ton. And I was like, I, it's hard to tell someone who's not Catholic yet that yoga is not good for you or that maybe you just shouldn't, not even that it's not good for you like physically, but like spiritually, maybe it's not the best thing for you to do. Um, like, dude, stretch. Yeah, stretching's good for you. But, like, yeah, don't do the spiritual stuff. 
But he ended up doing a lot of that. And he was mixing Catholicism with Buddhism because he was starting to read Buddhist texts too. Mm-hmm. He was like trying to pray ro- rosaries while doing yoga. And I was like, <laughs> it's like very hard to recapitulate because I was trying to like so hard to think of the right thing to say to him because that's what we get to a lot. And um, yeah, he ended up walking away. Slowly, step by step, he walked away from the church and now he's a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was heartbreaking because we had plenty of conversations about relativism and uh, conceptualism and reality and what it is and what what's truth and beauty and can they be objective and um, he never thought those things were true and no matter what I said or how I said it or how much I wanted to be his friend he just um, slowly step by step walked away and it was yeah it was heartbreaking we had a Bill Staley in here you might know him uh-huh. a few episodes ago but he used the, the term we always say drift away yeah but the the bottom line of that word is, is, is drift or they're not, they're not sunk or completely mm-hmm. gone. They're still there to be, to be able to reach out to them. Um, I don't know. It's, it is sad to watch all, all the hard work, but don't, that they're there. It's just, it's somewhere inside of them coming yeah. to find home. We, we talk a lot about this phenomena of the indelible mark. I don't know if you guys have, I mean, obviously you've thought about it. You're yes. <laughs> but all the time, even in my own struggles, I never uh, denied the fact that I was Catholic. And most Catholics won't. And there's like something within them that just won't deny it. That they're like, even if they're straying from the truth or going somewhere else, they, they typically don't deny that they're Catholic. Um, and I find that, as you said, like that drift, you know, although they may be out in the ocean somewhere, they're still there. Like he's still Catholic. That's not ever going to go away from him. That can't be taken from him no matter what anyone says. So... Well, Alan, as we f- sort of finish up here and close off, do you have mm-hmm. any final thoughts just as where you're at in life at 24 and where you see yourself, uh, what advice you would have to young adults in, in your shoes too? To yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Quick 30 minutes. Um, where I'm at at 24, um, dependent, I guess is the best word. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend recently about this, about um, <laughs> Peter at the end of John 6, you know, the Lord looks at him and says, are you going to leave too? And he says, where else would I go? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's how I feel. I'm like, Lord's like, well, okay. You know, I'm thinking about transitioning out of missionary life, about doing other things with my life. And, um, <laughs> the Lord's just, I'm just like, Lord, where do I go? And, and cl- classically, I, I come back to that scripture a lot with St. Peter and, he just goes and nestles in with Jesus and comes even closer to him in that moment. He says, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else would I go? And that's what I have (laughs) the advice I can give to young adults or people living in (laughs) the the realm of 20 to 28 or 20 to 30 Mm -hmm. is to nestle close within the bosom of the Lord, um, to be close with him um, in prayer and the sacraments and in fellowship. And things will take me from there. Um, because I know that the Lord's will is founded in that, mm. that he has the words of eternal life, not me. His will isn't ethereal. It's it's cognizant, and I can find it, and I can not even find it, but rationally just do it. Um, it's been written for me in the scriptures. And so I'm looking at going and doing further things to further the kingdom, because I always want to be in the business of furthering the kingdom, because that is the, the great commandment we've been given. But, yeah, the the things that I'm doing and the ways that I want to live it is that is to abandon myself to him, to his providence and say, 
I, yeah, I don't have anywhere else to be. I'm stuck with you now. Hmm. Like, even if I tried to run, I, I know that it, I would just fail without you. Hmm. There's nothing, there's nowhere else for me to go. So it's, a, it's kind of ethereal advice and really non, um, it's very idealistic and non-pragmatic, but it's the best that I can give because I can't sit down with someone and be like, you should do this and that and that and then this and that. That's where we find our happiness and fulfillment. One more time before we go, where does that last line that are you going to leave me to? And I think that that one is a really interesting gospel because it's the whole Eucharist. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus come and says, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't drink my blood, you are not worth to be with me. Mm-hmm. And then the gospel says, many people left. And then he looks to his apostle and says, are you going to leave too? Mm-hmm. And it's just the, so, the whole thing with the young, with young rich man. Mm-hmm. Master, what should I do? All you have to do is I do all that stuff. Now do one more thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. Mm-hmm. And the young man was sad. Because he had many possessions Mm -hmm. and he left. And you know, and Jesus didn't go back and say, Hey, buddy, come back here. I'm just kidding. Just give half. He just let them go. Wow. Are you going to leave me too? Hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's, It's hard. It's, you know, and that's a lot of theologians talk about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and use that example. Jesus didn't say, I'm just kidding, guys. This is just a simple. No, he said, you have, if you want to be a part of this, you have to eat my my flesh. You have to drink my blood. Mm. People laugh because like, oh, that's too much. Are you going to leave me too? Mm-hmm. For the disciples that were there with him, he was forming them. Are you going to leave too? And then Peter had the answer. Who else should we go? Mm. You have the words of eternal life. So that's kind of what we are called to, to, to do. You know, Jesus, yes, it's hard. It's hard to be Catholic. It's hard to do this stuff because we have to. I have this person that I know, that she, you know, she's a, she's a founder of a, a new community. And she said, if you're doing what we're supposed to do, it's going to hurt because people are going to take pieces of you just like the Eucharist because they see Jesus on you. And they want pieces of you. And I think that's kind of the thing of the missionaries, you know. They they shouldn't want to stay with them. Not because of them. You know, it's not, I mean, they are not seeking Alan or they are not seeking, they are seeking Jesus that they can find in person, Mm -hmm. in that that missionary. You know, and I think for us, the way that we start our day every day is we do an hour and 15 minutes of adoration. Mm -hmm. Because that's the source, the summit of our life. We don't evangelize because of us. We have to be fulfilled, and then we can go and spread the good news. That's why we do every morning, we shower morning with adoration, because mm. he is the source and the summit of our life. And when we do this, now I'm filled with Jesus. Now I have that personal experience of Jesus Christ. Now I can go and proclaim the good news. Because it's not my good news, it's Jesus' good news. And I only know that when I spend that time praying, 
when I spend that time having that personal experience with Jesus Christ, then I can go out and proclaim. Not myself, because people don't care for me, but I can proclaim. Are you going to leave me too? Is that too hard for you? It is hard. I know that. But then, you know, the answer of Peter, where else should I go? Where else will we go? Well, defining happiness and fulfillment. Uh, thank you, Alan, for being here today. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Uh, special thank you to our guest, Alan again, and to Father Javon as well for all the great insight. Uh, my name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. Remember, you can always tune in at 100.5 FM online at WBOU.org. We're here at Thursdays at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. WBOU Nashville Catholic Radio is the only Catholic radio station in Nashville. We exist because of the prayers and contributions of people like you. If you like Nashville Catholic Radio as a part of your life, prayerfully consider making a donation today. All donations go to daily operating expenses. Making a contribution is easy. Go to WBOU.org and click on the Donate button at the bottom of the page. Thank you and God bless you. Your donation is appreciated.